Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. I just want to relax. Nice lukewarm bath. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Sarah Connor. Now look, carnage. Dead. Dead, dude. Well, what's fun about that? Quite sweet, really, aren't they? God, I love this street. No one. So I just dove in. I am swimming through the hoops. I just got in the tube. I'm coming back. And I touch right before the other girl. And I win the lead and I win the championship for my team at camp. Okay, but now you have to introduce the episode. Because we're recording right now. Wait, we are? Oh, hey guys. This is Claire with um, Billy, my one Billy for the episode, and mom. Um, this is Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures, where my dad shows me movies that I wouldn't normally watch, mm-hmm. but movies that I that he knows I would enjoy based on my personality. By the way, I did finger quotes when saying personality. <laughs> and we're get, at some point, if your mom keeps guesting on the podcast, we're going to have to find a new name for it, which I don't, you know, I really like Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures, so I, we may just have to fire your mom. Is she Aww. looking at me? <laughs> what, about Billy? What, about, what about BD and Claire's Excellent Adventures? Yeah. Billy, Danielle. Parents and Claire's oh. Excellent Adventures doesn't sound what great. What did I say? Oh, you said Danielle. Oh, Do Danielle. not say my name unless you are on fire. <laughs> um, so what are we here to talk about today? We are here to talk about You Might Be the Killer. Yeah. So what kind of movie is You Might Be the Killer? Like, what's, what's the story from your perspective? Well, I can't really explain it, but last video you were telling me about how if I'm going to reference a movie or anything i have to know the name of the movie and have to be on point with the with the thing that sounds like something i would say it does as a person who knows no details or names of characters of any of the movies he watches or loves do you have any idea claire how many conversations your dad and i have had where he will point to any random performer on the screen and be like isn't that so and so and reference someone who looks nothing like them and i'm like no no it's not (laughs) <laughs> to the point that I have to look it up on IMDb and prove it to him. Face blindness is a thing. And I suffer from it. And I, I feel sometimes. like you're making fun of something that I can't, I no, just can't do. No, you don't get it. The problem is not that you're face blind. The problem is that you know you're face blind and you still think you're right. It's just part of the burden I carry is part of that problem, I it's, guess. I think that's called being a man. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Anyways, so movie that we're here what's what's the basic plot of you might be the killer i think it's basically like um one guy tells a story and everything revolves around the story so he tells a legend that happened at his camp he and before i finish this we do give spoiler alerts so if you have not seen the movie and do not want any spoilers before you do watch the movie and then come back to this yeah, and You Might Be the Killer is streaming on Shutter. So if you have a Shutter subscription, uh, it's right there available to you. You can rent it pretty much on any major platform. Uh, it's worth a look. But now, all that being said, everybody's gone and left and watched You Might Be the Killer and come back. So You Might Be the Killer is basically a horror comedy themed movie, I guess. To my perspective, it is, but I don't know if tomatoes say that or anything. <laughs> I don't know how it's, I don't know if it's tomatoes or stuff. I don't know what tomatoes mean. I don't know why you call it tomatoes, but. Anyways, 
It's basically just a horror comedy movie about how a guy is a killer and he doesn't even realize it and until he's talking to his friend and his friend asks, are you sure you're not the killer? Mm-hmm. And then, and it's a whole bunch of flashbacks into the movie while he's talking. And it's a really good movie. All right. I'd say that's about, that's about right. I've seen a movie like that before. It wasn't about killers, but it was like a girl, but it was like a bully who didn't know that she was a bully. And she kept, and she, and when she was sleeping, she kept bullying people, not even realize that she was doing it. Hmm. So it's basically the same like point, but it's not the same exact mm-hmm. evolver, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, yeah, it's both less serious and more serious because as a horror comedy, it's a lot of fun. But in reality, he's murdering a bunch of his camp counselors. Uh, so it's not so great, I guess, for uh, his team. Now, why did we pick a camp movie for this week? Because I just came back from camp a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the first time you'd been to camp? Well, not first time I've been to camp. I've been to some camps, but they were always day camps. I've never been to a sleepaway camp. Ah. Now, how long were you gone for? A week. Yeah. And what did you think of your first experience at sleepaway camp? It was good, but I definitely have to bring a teddy like my teddy bear <laughs> or the actual teddy bear because I was going I cuz I was telling my mom I might want to I wanted to stay 2 weeks next time, but I'm not going to be able to go 2 weeks without my teddy bear. Mm. Well, I mean, I understand that snugglies are important. Yes. I agree. Um, but okay, so aside from um missing your teddy bear, uh, you had a great time at sleepaway camp. What was yeah. the best thing that you did while you were there? Helping my friend Jenny because she was really sad that she wasn't with her parents. And then while, because we were going swimming and I convinced her to go swimming and she was going to get her swimming stuff because she had a cast on her arm mm. and she doesn't want the cast getting wet because she can't take it off to shower. So she gets like this special glove that tights around her thing. And we were joking and stuff. And then when she's coming back, she was starting to cry. And I was like, why are you crying? And she's, I'm not going to get too much into this because I don't want, because if she's listening, I don't want to tell her whole story because she told me not to tell. But I guess what I don't understand is why is the most fun thing that you did um, helping one of your campmates who was sad? Because I, because I like helping people when, and I made her feel really happy. Oh, good. Right. And I love to see her happy. How about the activities that you did? What was your favorite activity? Horse grooming. So what does that mean? Paint us a picture. Um, I know if you have long hair, you know that you're always like doing stuff to make it look pretty if you're a girl or even if you're a boy. Some boys have Why long hair. Why are you hair. looking at me while you say this? You used to have long hair. <laughs> I did. Or hair. I miss it so much. Hey, why don't you just let it grow? Oh, it would look terrible. What little of it I have left that will actually grow. Anyways, so horse grooming, hair, long hair. So um, it's basically the same thing with horses, but there's three different brushes. So um, there's a soft brush, which is, okay, I should go in order. So there's a hard brush, I think it's called, and it's basically a brush that gets off all the mud and all of the, like, yucky stuff off. Like sometimes when... Like the horses there love to roll around in the in the stuff. They love when it was hot. They would go in the shade and roll around in the grass. And they said that instead of pouring water, that's what cools them off. I can see that, but pouring water on me is much better. Did you roll around the mud in the camp to cool off? No. Oh, we should watch Predator. There's a great rolling around in the mud scene at the end of Predator. 
for heat so Arnold Schwarzenegger can cool off. <laughs> Anyways, so you get all the mud and the grime off, and then what? And then I don't remember what the next one is called, but it's basically a brush that is for that is for um getting all the um. Like, it's farther reach than the hard brush. So if there's, like, any, like, stuck dirt, like, you know, sometimes there's, like, loose dirt, but then there's, like, dirt that's, like, on your skin that you have to, like, scrape off with a towel. Mm -hmm. Um, It's basically like that on horse's skin. It's the same way. So they got a special brush that reaches farther to get all that off. And then just makes their hair, and then it just makes their fur soft. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the soft brush, which, which combs it, it does the same thing to their mane, but it's only the soft brush that you can use on their mane. And I remember that there's like a specific horse hairbrush, basically like a human hairbrush before horses mm-hmm. that they had and showed us and we got to do it. I was really excited about getting to ride the horses, but we didn't get to ride them because they had because they had heat stroke. Yeah, I mean, while you were at camp, this was during the major heat wave, and it was between ninety and a hundred degrees every day. At our at our camp, on two days of the week, I was there it was a hundred and fifteen degrees. That's so warm. What was your sleeping arrangements like while you were there? Did you um, have air conditioning? Nope. <laughs> we were in teepees. And so you must have had a really good time then, if you're in a teepee in a hundred fifteen degree heat, and you want to go back for two weeks next year. I did. The TP part I never spent a lot in. Mm. Now, we are here to talk about a horror movie, though. So, uh, you know, you you talked about one of your friends was scared to, to be on her own. What was the scariest thing that happened to you while you were at camp? The scariest thing was one night, um, the first night, actually, one of the girls was like, if you don't go to sleep before you see a cicada, then, like, demons or something would wait outside your tent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm, get you mm-hmm, while you were sleeping, mm-hmm. and I just and I, I always went to sleep before I saw the cicada before a cicada came in because a cicada came in every night, but it never happened to anyone. Like one night I was up, I had to go to the bathroom, and I had just woken up like mid dream because I had a nightmare. But like you're not allowed to walk in the counselor's cabins when they're in the night. I just tried like talking to myself and stuff. I tried reading even though I wasn't really supposed to be reading but none of that made me feel better so I so um I asked my bunkmate to um help me because she had the same thing Mm -hmm. we talked for a little bit and then I felt better and went back to sleep Mm. the old see a cicada or die by demon I need to start using that at bedtime (laughs) everybody get in your bed it's bedtime also if you're not asleep by the time the cicadas come out demons are gonna get you But that was a silly story. So speaking of silly stories, I mean, we've already kind of said that You Might Be the Killer starts out with like a campfire story where the the counselor, the main character is trying to uh, scare his fellow counselors. Did you have any um, times at camp where they like had everybody go out and sit around in a fire and tell scary stories? No. No, that's a bummer. Yeah, but I wouldn't do that either. Like if I was the counselor and I had a hundred young children. Mm hmm. Like, tell them a bunch of stories so they won't sleep and we'll be scared? No, thank you. Well, I guess we see the difference between our approach to parenting of young children. Yeah, that's it right there. Now, let's talk about this horror movie that we showed to our (laughs) 10-year-old. So what would you think of um, uh, You Might Be the Killer? killer. Yeah. I liked how it was super similar to um, all the other camp. So I've seen a lot of kids' camp movies. And um, 
this one took those camp movies basically and like turned them into a like camp horror movie. And I heard that you were saying um, that you were saying like all these other movies were referenced in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to see that. And you were like, well, then you'll get the reference when we watch the other movies. And then we decided to watch this. So, well, so one of the things that I was deciding between is, you know, I am not a huge fan of the Friday the 13th series, which is a horror series where most of the films take place at um, like a camp environment and counselors are targeted for murder. And some of the scenes that you saw in You Might Be the Killer were directly referencing those. And they referenced some other movies too. Um, but, you know, I was really deciding between the first Friday the 13th, uh, which I'm I'm not a big fan of, but I think is um, and like kind of like an important movie to sort of get into like the horror movies that define the entirety of the 80s. Um, or showing you something that's a lot more fun and accessible and if you see something that you're like oh oh, that was my favorite kill of that movie and you know that was referencing something else then maybe we can show you that thing as a way like it becomes do you show them the the list of things like hey look at all these movies this references um and you have fun with that or do you start by showing all the movies And and i decided to go with the one that's got all the references because you know, you can't have a 45 movie homework assignment to watch a fun, a fun movie. I feel like you got to start somewhere. Right. Um, and I felt like you kind of understood and enjoyed the movie, even though it's a lot of referential stuff. What'd you think about the, like the main conceit of the movie? Okay. So the setup, right. Is he tells this story about, um, uh, you know, an evil spirit that haunts the campgrounds. Right. Um, a wood carver chops down the tree going to carve a cradle and then um had the idea and then all of a sudden wanted to carve a mask and that's basically the story and then and then the purest woman the one who was away bursting chickens or something like that um killed the guy Mm, okay so yeah so we need to also talk about final girls tonight too um but okay so but what i what i wanted to talk about right now is you know they find the mask he puts it on um, but the movie well, he starts. Puts it on Drew, slaps it onto his face. Right, and you know, consent. It's an important thing. Like if somebody tells you don't do this, don't do this, because uh, they don't want to do that. Um, I think what I'm I'm really curious about is what did you think of the structure of the story? And and you know, um, it's like because it jumps all over the place. Like it starts in the middle of the movie, and then it goes back to the beginning, and then it goes a little bit further in the movie then it goes back to the first quarter then it jumps all the way forward like it's all over the place did was that confusing to keep up with or did you feel like you understood what was going on i didn't really understand until i realized that this that this dead counselors thing Mm -hmm. was showing and i was watching that and that kept me through the movie but also um bonked which is one of the movies i wanted to when we did that behind the scenes Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that So they like tell a camp story and then it happens and then it jumps back to like what happens after. It's like a jump around movie, basically. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I kind of so I kind of understood what was going on because I had seen this because I've seen similar movies like that. So one of the things that's really interesting to me about You Might Be the Killer is the way that it was started. And this was kind of the reason that I was asking about the structure of the story. So. We talk a lot about movies and what goes into writing them. And you know that I interview directors and stuff like that and people who write their own movies and all that. Do you know how 
you might be the killer started as a story. Have we talked about that yet? Okay. So there are a couple of science fiction fantasy authors um, who are very, they talk a lot on Twitter, social media platform, right? Um, it's uh, Sam Sykes and Chuck Wendig. And they have a lot of comedic back and forth between the two of them where they lean into a bit. And what I mean by that is, is they set up kind of this joke story kernel, right? This like writing prompt. And they just go back and forth with each other as a conversation. So the reason the main character's name is Sam and his friend who's working at the video store's name is Chuck is because Sam and Chuck had a conversation on Twitter where they were kind of going through all of these classic horror movie story ideas that take place at camps and trying to jokingly figure out who was the killer in this scenario. And they really did start off their conversation of um, Sam tweets at Chuck and is like, so I'm a camp counselor and I'm at camp and a whole bunch of campers are dead and I don't know what's going on. Help me. And every time Chuck is talking in the movie to him and they're kind of having these ideas is how they figured out how to tell this story. And some other guys saw this tweet thing that took place back and forth where they kind of went through all this sort of stuff and turned it into a movie script and then teamed up with them to make the movie. But that's where that feel of the idea came from. I was kind of surprised that her name was Chuck, but I also liked that because Chuck is a cool name. But, you know, Charlie and Chuck are both nicknames from Charles, which is the male version of Charlotte. Yeah, her name tag in the movie is Charlotte. Is? Mm -hmm. Oh, I always saw Chuck. Nope. She she could she calls he calls her Chuck, um, but her name tag in the movie is Charlotte. Did you enjoy um, watching uh, Chuck try and figure out like did, did you ever wonder like where does she keep getting all these reference documents for all this demonic text and stuff to at the video store that she works at? I kind of not surprised because um, it's basically like one of those donation stores, mm-hmm. like a donation grocery store. <laughs> A donation grocery store. What? I don't think it's a thrift store is the word you're looking for. I don't think it's a thrift store at all. And I don't think it's a movie store. It's like a nerd mecca store. Oh, yeah. They had comic books and probably graphic novels and videos. And I think there were like little figurines Mm -hmm. under the counter. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Mouth Dork would have been in hog heaven in that store. I'm pretty sure. And that's probably why they had all those books because. I don't know anything about these topics, but I feel like Dungeons and Dragons, there are other types of role playing that involve like, you know, demons and whatnot. Um, but so that's like, I, I love stories like that about how um, movies and story ideas come together because it reminds me that like, we think a lot about like, how am I going to start this idea? How am I going to write this story? And just having a playful conversation with your friend where you kind of play this out is something that you can turn into a movie. Like the those story ideas are out there. Okay, so just so I understand, this are imaginary scenarios or were campers dying at the camp that Sam was at? Oh no, no, no. He was uh he was just fooling around. They were playing a game. Yeah, they were playing a game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they're both writers and my guess is is that the you know, the way that they use Twitter like that is for them if they're feeling burnt out on what they're doing or they want to think about something else, but they still want to be creative while they're doing it. Um, they'll go poke each other. And that was, that was Sam reaching out to Chuck to kind of poke him and be like, Hey, uh, let's talk about some creative stuff that we're not messing around with. Um, and so they do a lot of that on Twitter back and forth. You, yeah. If you take away a lot of the, um, 
the structure of that movie. And if, if you were to just tell that story from, you know, uh, checking in the counselors to um, getting, find, telling the story to finding the mass to killing the people. And if it was just this linear thing, number one, it would not be very long because it doesn't take him that long to kill those nine people or 10 people or whatever it ends yep. up being. 11. Um, 11. Okay. Yep. And secondly, it wouldn't be uh, a bad movie. You know, it would be still entertaining. It would still have some jump scares and whatnot, but it wouldn't be as special as it ends up being. I think that the the, the little counter that keeps coming up telling you how many counselors are dead is, number one, it's funny, and especially when they would say, you know, six still or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, you know, it's, um, it's creative and it's funny, but it also helps ground the viewer so you know exactly where you've jumped to in the story um, since they're telling it out of order. But then the conversation with Chuck, the fact that the phone is always uh, in the story. I mean, the phone is almost its own character. And uh, and the, the way that they tell that story out of order, it makes that movie special and not just another slasher flick, I think. Um, and I, I like movies. Uh, there are several different movies where you see the same events multiple times and you get more information each time or more perspective each time. Um, the one that jumps to my mind is um, the uh, the zombie one. Oh. The one you just got the shirt for. One Cut of the Dead. One Cut of the Dead. We need to show Claire One Cut of the Dead. Yeah, I that's, agree. That's another one You were one talking where you see... about that last day. Well, we? it's, it's because One Cut of the Dead has an interesting structure like You Might Be the Killer, where they, they take something that would otherwise be ordinary but fun and turn it into something extraordinary Based on the way that they tell the story. So I don't know if we've mentioned this yet. The Kayak King. I don't remember his name, but the Kayak King. Steve the Kayak King. Yes. I had a question. Um, is he one of the reference where where the guy where after he kills, well, evil Sam kills the Kayak King, he just like brutally just starts whipping his sword through his side? I do think that that is a a famous kill from the Jason franchise. But like I said, I'm not a huge fan of it, so I'm not as familiar with all of those movies. Hanging someone and disemboweling them, I feel like is a pretty uh pretty popular. Well, yeah, well let's go with popular. It's a pretty popular uh feature in a lot of slasher films. I think the original Scream has Drew Barrymore's character hung from a tree and slashed. Yeah, I don't think that they show it. They very don't much show though. it, but they yeah. talk about it after the fact having happened. Um, and those killers, you know, the, their whole conceit is that they're imitating classic horror films. So it probably came from another one. I've never seen any of the Jason movies. So. Well, we've watched the Freddy versus Jason and yeah. we've definitely watched Jason in space. Yeah, uh, Jason one. X. I have. You're right. But the original Jason movies, no. There are there are a couple of kills that happen in that where they are very much riffing on um, some scenes directly taken from those franchises, which... I like I think that those are fun. Like I I think when movies um like pay respect to things that have gone before by imitating them, I don't think that they're stealing. I think that they're um building on what they've done before and doing something interesting and new with it. And that's that's what I think is cool about you might be the killer. I think my favorite part of that movie is just since we're on the subject, is the Kayak King. Every time he says Steve's name, he says the Kayak King. And all of the times when Steve is actually alive, he goes, they're canoes. Even in the um thing, it's like the next person dead, Steve the Kayak King. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite part of the movie is when Amani and Sam are sitting on the pier and Amani pushes Sam into the water 
And Steve the Kayak King goes, and that's why you need to wear your life preserver. Let's all look at Sam and point and laugh. And then he looks at him and points and laughs. And gets all the campers to point and laugh too. Where are the campers in that? Because there's barely any scenes with the campers. They're not there yet. I think my impression of that is that this is the very beginning of camp when the counselors have shown up and they've checked in and they're kind of getting the lay of the land and they're expecting the campers to arrive shortly. But Which actually, they don't show it, obviously. But, you know, sort of following the ending of that movie, everybody's dead. The sheriff clearly does not believe that these calls for help meant anything. And the only survivor has walked off into the woods. So theoretically, buses of children are going to start arriving (laughs) to this gruesome crime scene. And there will be no adults present. And it would be great. Yeah. What if you showed up to Camp Claire and just all the counselors were dead and murdered? Party, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Throw them in the lake. Lean your own latrine. Uh, So what have we not talked about that you would want to talk about for this movie, Claire? The lightning. All right. And how how Chuck says something is going to happen and then it happens. Like she says that the purest girl is going to succumb, is going to survive and kill him. Mm-hmm. And then Mamani and um, I don't remember her name. Jamie. And then Amani and Jamie have a battle, and then Jamie murders Amani, and then Amon, and then Jamie murders um Sam with the mask on because he asked her because he thought it was the only one, but it can actually just switch. So he's bearing and asked her to get his keys and stuff like that. And um, then she kills him, and then she walks off into the night still alive. And then she says, hey, look at the bright side. Maybe a lightning bolt will hit your grave, and you'll come back alive. Chuck says that to Sam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then a couple years later, a lightning bolt, they show a lightning bolt picture in a thunderstorm, and then Chuck calls Sam. No, Sam I mean, calls Sam Chuck. calls Chuck. So speaking of Jamie and Imani's battle at the end, um, is that is this movie the first time you've ever heard anybody use that f- phrase, final girl? Is that something that you'd heard before? I've seen it in clips, but I haven't seen it that often. Okay, it's so like do you understand what it means when they say final girl? The girl that's still alive? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it boils down to, basically. The best girl? Well, that's a whole other set of questions. So, you know, one of the things that slasher movies are most famous for is that usually the killer is a man and the last person up against the killer is also usually a woman. And what they wind up calling the last woman standing is final girl. And it's usually the woman battling the man at the end of the movie. And so it's it, it became such a common uh, story device that they came up with a term for that trope, which is a thing that kind of occurs regularly in stories. And that's called the final girl. Listening to you explain that, I don't know why, but an idea just popped into my head. They should make... They should make a show called Last Woman Standing. So there's a show on Hulu that me and Mommy watch, and it's called Last Man Standing. But I was thinking that they could like recreate that to the mom's world of it, and it's Last Woman Standing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the most interesting things about the entire concept of the final girl, right, and they talk about this a little bit in the movie, um, is that in horror films there are almost like these rules, these unwritten rules um where that the characters have to follow and um chuck mentions this when she's talking about you know the purest girl right the purest girl that's there that's going to be the final girl well the concept of the final girl right is that this um heroine 
is going to triumph over the bad guy. And in You Might Be the Killer, Sam is the bad guy. It's a little bit complicated because we know that possessed Sam is bad. Sam by himself is actually kind of sweet. So there's sort of mixed feelings. Um, whereas in most slasher films, the bad guy is super bad. But if the characters drink alcohol or if they do drugs or if they have sex or something like that, they're going to get killed. And your final girl is the one who has been studying and going to school and volunteering and babysitting. She's almost always a virgin. Yeah, exactly. That's a pervasive theme in these movies. Um, And one of the things I love about You Might Be the Killer is that in this one, the final girl is turns out to be not that pure. I mean, she triumphs over Sam because she kills Imani. When Imani is behaving aggressively towards her, she's like, oh, no, I will kill you. Um, and then she kills Sam. And, but she had and the not, mask on when she killed Sam. Yeah, she, she had the mask on, exactly. She wasn't, she wasn't triumphing over a bad guy. She was winning, so to speak, because she was the strongest and... Um, the most willing to do what it takes to survive that encounter, you know, and and I think that I really like that personally because Hollywood ha- has a tendency to sort of reinforce some of these negative patriarchal messages that uh, you know girls in particular are not supposed to party, they're not supposed to have fun, they're not supposed to break rules, and if they engage in that type of behavior, they get murdered. I mean, that's a pretty uh pretty intense penalty for that. Um, so I like that this movie kind of acknowledges that that is a thing in horror movies and then turns it on its head. One thing that you might hear people talk about when they talk about uh, when people die in movies is what is that person being punished for? Um, because especially in horror movies, but but in movies in general, one of the things that we're exploring is the idea of what's right and what's wrong. And what the consequences are going to be for that. And in a horror movie, the consequences are almost always death. That's what they're playing with. They make it very black and white. You break the rules, you die. And they set up the rules of what makes you a good person. And, you know, sometimes writers and directors are playing with that idea a little bit to kind of fool around with it and make it something interesting that you haven't seen. But some of that just comes out of this sort of baked in concept that we are part of the culture that we operate in and the things that society tells us are good and bad become a part of us. And we punish the people in our stories who are bad. And that's what makes the end of you are the killer. uh, You might be the killer. Very interesting to me is because I don't agree that she wins at the end of the day. I think that Amani and Jamie realize at the end of the movie that only one of them are going to get out of this alive. Mm -hmm. And Imani says Imani resorts to violence initially, but Jamie beats her and she doesn't have to murder her. She's beaten her. She's won the fight. She doesn't have to murder her. And then she chops her head in half with a friggin' shovel. I think at that point, the movie, like she loses out to the evil in the movie because she uses murder to survive to the end of the day. The, the real final girl of the story, I'm pretty sure is Sam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, because he's all he's done is try and help everybody and do what he's supposed to the entire time and be a nice person. But I, I, and I don't know that that's like the definitive interpretation, but like there's a lot of interesting stuff that they're doing structurally at the end of the story because she does put on the mask and she does walk away possessed by evil at the end of the movie. Yes, she lives. And yes, she did what she needed to survive, but she also pays a price. But then you rewind that back and it becomes... 
Are you making a value judgment based on what society has told you is right and wrong? Or are you making a value judgment on the choices that she had in front of her and whether or not she made good ones to live or not? And that's what the interesting part of horror movies are, is kind of thinking about like, what is this movie talking to you about? And what is it trying to do? And that's, that's what I find interesting about the final girl stuff when it comes to this. Claire, what would you have done in that spot? I mean, if you're in Imani and Jamie's spot, what would you have done? If I was a director, I would have made it so Sam has an evil shadow when he puts on the mask. So the mask gives you an evil shadow who mur- who who murders, and then that's how the person can see their evil shadow. Why is that an important idea for you? Because I feel like it takes the movie into a much into a much cooler perspective, mm-hmm. where it's like instead of him killing, it's his shadow, and then mm-hmm. everybody thinks it's him, just like in a book I read called Her Twin. But I'm not going to get too into that. No, wait, Her Evil Twin. Just like, but it's but it's like a, an imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. So like he had an imaginary friend when he was le- younger. So like maybe he had an imaginary friend when he was younger. And then when he put on the mask, the imaginary friend comes to life. But instead of a sweet imaginary friend that he had imagined, it was a murderous imaginary friend. Well, you know, imaginary friend stories are a big deal. Um we, uh, when when Brad and I went to the Overlook Film Festival in New Orleans, we interviewed a director there called uh, Adam Egypt Mortimer, and he had made a movie called Daniel Isn't Real. And it was about um, a kid witnesses something that's very upsetting to him and very serious. Um, and at that moment, he calls into existence an imaginary friend named Daniel. Only Daniel is very real. Uh, but like this idea of a story and imaginary friends is popular. It's it's more than just that. I think I think that's an interesting idea. And there's a lot of stuff that you can play with when you're talking about that. But that's I think the part of this whole exercise is getting you more familiar with what's out there so that you can kind of understand all those things and the way that people are telling stories. Because I do see in you that you have like an, a natural inclination to take those things in and and work with them and play with them. Um, so the more that we can expand what you're exposed to, um, the easier and more interesting those things will become as as you go through and do that. Uh, well, I feel like we've really talked out. Uh, you might be the killer and camp and everything like that. Am I uh, missing any any final thoughts? Okay, Danielle, anything else you would want to say? No, I think we covered everything. I, I loved this movie and I was really um, excited that Claire loved this movie. Um, and going into it, I was say a little bit skeptical about showing her a parody i think i would call this a parody no uh i don't know i'm not sure it's so like gray area to me i don't really totally understand where the line is between parody and something that's just subversive for the genre okay but you you know what i'm saying i understand um showing her that when she hasn't seen any slasher films at all she she definitely seemed to enjoy it and um And I enjoyed talking about it with her. And then after the fact, I realized that, you know, the first slasher film I ever saw was Scream, which is also very referential to earlier works. And it certainly didn't interfere with my ability to love that movie. Well, we'll definitely cover Scream on this podcast, but I want to wait until we've got a few more episodes under our belt and a little bit more experience because that's, um, you know, for your mom and I and for me in general, Scream, I think, is one of the the best movies out there. And I want to be able to do it justice when we sit down to talk about it. Um, Claire, would you want to watch more camp horror movies? And if they weren't so funny and they were a little bit more scary, would that be okay? It'll depend on how much scarier it'll be, how much <laughs> less funny it'll be. 
All right. All right. So horror comedy seems to be a winning, a winning genre with you, though. You seem to be enjoying that across the board. All right, so I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, if you don't follow Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventure, you can find us on Twitter at B-A-C-E-A Podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd uh, at WBDAS. Uh, and on Letterboxd, I've been trying to be a little bit better about keeping my movies up to date there. So if you're interested in what we have coming down the pipeline, uh, I would definitely recommend following over there because I'm going to set up a list that keeps track of what uh, movies we're watching for the podcast. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes, we sure would appreciate that. And also if you could go over and leave us a five-star review, that is the type of help that only listeners like you can provide. And it's essential to us as we look to expand our audience. Uh, so I think, so I'm looking around any final takes and I don't think so. And we're out of here. So see you guys next time. Adios. Bye.